Hello, and welcome to season two of the Working While Homeschooling podcast, the podcast for workingwhilehomeschooling.com, where our mission is to help homeschooling parents make money, maybe even have a career, while continuing to homeschool and without losing their sanity. My name is Julie, and I am your host and resident career coach today. I want to thank you all for joining us and listening in. I hope you're doing well. On today's episode, we're going to be speaking to Tara Garrity, author of the book, Making Cancer Fun. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. If you're an entrepreneur or business owner, this announcement is for you. Do you have questions about how to get more clients or wonder how you can do more with less? Do you have big, crazy dreams that you're not quite sure how to tackle? Or perhaps you're wondering how you could make a real income doing any of it? If you've said yes to any of the above, you should consider signing up for one of my business entrepreneur coaching sessions. Now, being your own boss is great, but working on your own doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Coaching is going to provide you the accountability and support you need so that you can reap the rewards of being a solo entrepreneur with less doubt, stress, and struggle. So give yourself an edge over the competition. You can check out my one-on-one coaching services at my site or below. It really is time for you to be able to write your own success story. So let me help you. Again, check out the link on my site or below. Okay, so today we're talking to a dear, dear friend of mine, Tara Garrity. Um, we've known each other for uh, far too long now. And um, so Tara Garrity is not a traditional homeschooling parent, even though she is educating at home right now because of the virus. But Tara has written a book called Making Cancer Fun. And her book really resonated with me, and I wanted to have her on today. Um, so Tara, can you tell us a little bit about your book? Hi, yes. And we have known each other for a very long time, over two decades, I think, at this point. Oh, isn't that crazy? Yes, it makes me feel old. <laughs> um, so yeah, I my daughter is a childhood cancer survivor. She will be 14 next month, which that is crazy to me. And she was three and a half when she was diagnosed. And um, obviously, we knew each other during that season. So you kind of saw everything that happened during that and going through that. Um, she was diagnosed in an emergency room. She was basically dying in the emergency room at the time of diagnosis. Her, she was at, when she was diagnosed, it was a stage four high-risk neuroblastoma, which is basically a sticky tumor. And the tumor had kind of broken through her lung and her lungs were collapsing and she was suffocating. And so it was one of the lowest, uh, definitely one of the lower uh, survival rates for children with this diagnosis. And she had very long intensive treatment with um, chemo and radiation, and it took eight hours to take the tumor out. And she had a bone marrow transplant and some, at the time, it, uh, very experimental, like immunotherapy, things like that. But she is now, uh, let's see, it's, this year will be nine years uh, post-transplant and 10 years from diagnosis I think yeah which is crazy um, yeah. how long it's been so and she's doing really great and uh, we were joking today because we've been self-quarantined now for about 10 days and it's just her and I am a single mom and <laughs> so we were saying last night we're like wow between all the times that we were kind of quarantined in a hospital room and on precautions and she was always on precautions which basically meant she couldn't leave her room people couldn't visit because 
her immune system was low or she had something that was highly contagious for other kids. And so we were constantly on precautions. And after a bone marrow transplant, you know, you have to wear a mask for 120 days and you can't go anywhere and you can't go to a restaurant and you can't eat out in public and very similar to kind of what we're experiencing now. And, you know, quarantined together and we were like, wow, we have probably been quarantined together more than most people in life (laughs) (laughs) because this is our second time doing this. Yeah. We're like, we're pros at this at this point. And I'm very lucky that my daughter is so awesome and so cool that if I have to be quarantined, she's the person I would choose. She is funny and she makes me laugh. And, um, it's really, you know, it's interesting because as much as this is a horrible experience, there's also, I love her being home. I love being with her all day and she likes to cook and I tend to not eat super healthy. And so she's been making me dinner and <laughs> she said to me, she goes, she's like, mom, you need some broccoli. So she made broccoli tonight. She's like, I feel like you need to eat some greens. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, yeah. So we've been having some fun. Yeah. No, um. Emma's a super sass, sassy kid. I love her to death. But one of the things that was different about you going through this and me watching you go through this versus when I watched others go through that is, frankly, it was like a nonstop party. Mm-hmm. And, like, literally, you made cancer fun, like, as mm-hmm. your book says. That was really, you know, like you, you know, said at the time, nurses and doctors really didn't know how to handle you. Because that was, they weren't used to that. They were not used to parents not being, frankly, you know, stressed out, melodramatic. And, you know, you know, you made it like one nonstop party for the whole time. And, um, and then you wrote a book about it once. Mm-hmm. Well, for the past few weeks when everyone's going through the stressful quarantine and I'm listening to a lot of parents kind of having to kind of go through this with their kids, your book has been kicked keeps popping in my head that, you know, hey, we can't act in front of our kids like this is like crazy stressful. You know, we have to show them how to live this. And yeah. How can you make this fun? And I kept thinking of your book, which is why I asked you on the podcast. So can you kind of give us some things that you've learned or, you know, kind of brought from your experience doing that before that maybe can help us now that we're all going through that kind of quarantine life too? Sure. And it has been, it's been interesting to see how many of the lessons that I learned at that time are serving me very well now. You know, sometimes we don't realize that the stuff that we go through that's so difficult really prepares us for other challenges that we're going to have in life. And the big thing I had when, when my daughter was diagnosed and she was given this very, very low cure rate, and I really didn't know, you know, if she was going to live another month, if she was going to live a few months, or if she would be a survivor. And the certainly the statistics were against survivorship. Right. And I thought at the time, you know, if I only have a little bit of time left with my kid, I am going to make sure that we have as much fun as possible. And I really, at the time, remember making that very conscious decision that I could not control the circumstances. I couldn't control that she had cancer. I couldn't control the treatment. I couldn't control whether she would respond to the treatment. And because she was in such a critical care place, it wasn't even like, you know, sometimes when people get a cancer diagnosis, they can get a second opinion. They can choose different therapies. This was not like that. This was, this is your only option. This is the only treatment. I couldn't even go to a different hospital. Like she was too, um, fragile to even move or transport. So there were really no choices. I mean, talk about every choice being taken away, right? And so the only choice I had was, okay, if I'm going to have to go through this, how am I going to choose to do that? And I chose to have fun. Mm 
And that was my choice, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. What's been interesting is now it's years later, and um, I've actually done a, TED, a TEDx talk on this. And when I was doing my research on the TEDx talk, it was all about choosing fun and childhood cancer. I went back and studied all the science behind it. And it was so incredible to learn of all of these studies. I mean, there's over 2,000 studies. I think it's 2,100 or 2,200 studies um, in the U.S. Library of Medicine about using fun to cope with medical illnesses. And it gets into what happens to the body when we're laughing and we're having fun. Um, it, first of all, anytime we laugh and we smile, we release dopamine into our body and we boost our immune system. We actually boost the killer cells that fight infection. When you laugh, it relaxes your muscles, it increases your pain tolerance, like it does all of these great yummy things to our body. And like the other side of that is when you look at the studies that show what happens to the body when it's in chronic fear. When you're in chronic fear and chronic stress, you actually weaken your immune system. Okay, so you disrupt your endocrine system, you disrupt your nervous system, you can throw off your parasympathetic and sympathetic balancing. Um, you, people can develop sleep disorders, eating disorders, all from chronic fear, and that chronic stress, that chronic stress going through your body is so detrimental to the immune system. So, you know, right now we've got this rampant virus going around, right? And we know that having a strong immune system is better for us. And so particularly not just for us as, as parents, but for our children, I'm very big into I'm the mirror for my child. Right. And this was important during cancer treatment, and this is important now. I am the mirror. My daughter looks to me to see how to respond to things in life, and that's true for all parents, right? And we know this, like very, we know this by our gut, because if any of us have ever had a toddler who ran down the hall, fell, and smashed their face into the ground, what is the first thing that they do? They look up to see where's mom. Yeah. And it's like, they don't cry instantly, right? Unless they're really, really hurt. But a lot of times they don't cry right away. They look up to look for their parents' face. And then they look at our face and they determine from our expression whether or not they're hurt. Right? right? So you have that kid who looks up, he sees mom, and we're like, oh my gosh, what happened? And all of a sudden there's that delay, but then the water works come because mom has just told us, hey, I'm hurt. I better be, I should start crying. Right? Right. Or... You have that kid who runs, they smash their face into the ground, looks up at mom or dad, and mom and dad goes, oh my gosh, you silly, what are you doing? Why are you on the floor? You're so silly. And you can see the wave of relief. Oh, I'm not hurt. I'm okay. And they get back up and they keep playing, right? Right. So we kind of know this as parents. We know that we're the mirror. So when my daughter had cancer, it was, I'm the mirror. And she's going to you know, she, this experience is going to be largely on what she gets from me. She's going to look to me to, should I be afraid? Should I be worried? Should I be scared? And that's the same thing that's happening now with our kids. And I will tell you, it's, it's so heartbreaking to me to hear some of these children who are in this, such the state of fear because their parents are in panic mode. Their parents are in fear. And this is not to say we should dig our head in the sand and ignore what's going on. We have a very real, you know, world crisis at this point. However, a child does not have the same processing than an adult does. They don't understand. So when it comes to the childhood cancer world, for example, a child who's in the cancer world doesn't understand that there's life outside of this. Like they live in the here and the now in the present, right? Right. And so... 
um, they can't comprehend that this could be a season and three, four, five years from now. Like they don't, they can't even comprehend three or four years from now. Um, same thing with our children right now. So if we're, they're looking at us going, how fearful is this? How much should I be afraid? And they don't understand the same processing of this is a season. We will get through this. This will end. You know, children, we know that, it, that at this point, you don't even develop your full frontal lobe until you're 25 years old. That's the part of your brain that understands like cause and effect and long-term consequences and why teenagers engage in risky behavior. Exactly. The logic. If then, if then consequences, you know, mm -hmm. One of the things that um, dealing with the psychologist with my Asperger child, um, that is, you know, one of the things we've been dealing with her is she has feelings, but she actually has an inability to connect words to those feelings. So mm. she can feel stuff. She feels a lot, but she couldn't tell you what she's feeling. Mm. And so she, you know, that's kind of when they kind of go into like almost the meltdown mode because they kind of flood with emotion but they almost go non-verbal. She almost goes non-verbal for those moments that she's flooded because she just like talking is un she's unable, unable to talk when she floods, which I totally get now that it, someone explained it to me. I'm like, oh, that's what's happening. Like I watch it and now I get it. But one of the things that you know, even from a very young age, that was kind of encouraged to us is is to literally talk out our processing out loud so they can physically watch you process and then they internalize that and they start to do the same thing so for example when all of this started up which has been a couple of months for us now but you know um, all start up i you know, sat them down very calmly even though even if i'm not feeling calm inside we fake it we act it like the actresses we are and we just say okay guys this is what's going on there is this virus it is contagious it is not good to get it this is what we know this is what we don't and it's stressful this means that a lot of things are going to be affected we are going to have to be flexible and just roll with the punches hmm. as y'all know asperger kids don't roll with punches and they're not flexible traditionally but because i can tell her this is the time we have to be flexible her brain says, okay, I have to be flexible right now. So it's almost like she's inflexibly flexible, you know, you know, so, you know, it's like, you know, and I can say, you know what, I'm really stressed out about this right now. This frustrating because I was really looking forward to going to this thing and they just canceled it. Um, you know, I really wanted to do this, you know, their dad's birthday is coming up and I was like, you know, I had this big plan that we were going to go away for a weekend and I, I'm just really irritated because all my plans are being canceled but I just have to take a deep breath and remember this will eventually pass. And when this is all over with, we can start up our plans again. But like I have to like, you know, this is what we all do in our heads because we're adults, but I have to do it out loud for them so they can watch me do it. So they can start doing it for themselves. Right? And what a gift. I mean, even for a child who's not maybe, you know, with a special needs, I think that right. children all need to learn like we teach them how to cope in life Correct. and I think it's so great to be able to say I'm feeling really frustrated 
because right. kids feel frustrated, right? Or I feel really disappointed about this too, particularly for kids right now who like my daughter's whole um, cheerleading season got canceled and her competition and everything. And that's a really big deal for her. And you right. know, think about when we're kids, particularly young teenagers or teenagers, these, these milestones that now we're like, okay, it's one season of cheerleading. But at that time and that time in your life, that's huge. And just to be able to say, you know, I total, I, I understand why that's disappointing. And it's okay to feel disappointed. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to and, feel. You know, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's where, again, like when I talk about this mirror is that our children look to us to how do I handle disappointments? How do I handle setbacks? How do I handle frustration? You know, and, you know, do I see mom, you know, we kind of joke about too, I heard somebody talk about this, you know, we joke a lot about like, oh, I need a drink. And what are we teaching kids? You know, well, when I get overwhelmed, I'm going to go get a drink, you know, right. and then we wonder why we have rampant alcoholism. Are, so they, our are, kids they, are, are they listening to the sarcasm of that? Or are they just listening to it right. literally? Yeah. Um, like, right. And they don't, they don't understand the same way that we do. So mm -hmm. this gives us this quarantine situation actually really gives us a huge gift to be able to teach our children how to respond in times of crisis. Which is a life lesson that school, school can't teach you that. Only life Absolutely. can teach you that. Only parents can teach you that. So my running thing is like, you know, homeschooling is my parenting style because this is kind of the thing you think about is it's not just, I almost don't really care about their math and science. Okay, I care. But you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff almost runs itself now the stuff that i really care about is the character growth and who they're going to be as people so yeah math and science are important but you know frankly do i use any of my science i learned in school no i was an acting major so um but what i do learn is like all the stuff i learned while i was dealing with math and science so you know i've been really focusing on my character growth and things like that this year what are some of the things okay now that your daughter's a teenager in the lovely land of middle school land, like we are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and so while you're dealing with, okay, just typical middle schooler, what are some things that you guys are using? How do you, how are you handling this right now? What can we learn from your experience right now? So I think that there's a couple of things is that we talk a lot about how to respond versus react mm -hmm. and getting to choose how we want to respond. You know, my mom was famous when we grew up. She always taught us that she would say this all the time. You always have a choice. You may not like the choice, but you have a choice. And so we've talked a lot about that, that we don't really like this choice. We don't like the choice that we have to be quarantined. We don't like the choice that there's things that we can't control, but we do have a choice of how we want to respond in this situation. And I think it's also, I will tell you, Julie, I, I'm looking at some of these, my, my daughter and I were joking about this. I was looking at some of these parenting, you know, on social media. And in general, I think social media makes all of us feel like really bad moms, right? Because yeah. every other mom, they cook a better dinner, their house is more clean, their kids are more clean, and they get better grades. And they've won some kind of award that our kid hasn't gotten. I mean, social media is just the groundwork for let's make me feel like a bad mom today. And I think during this quarantine time, I'm feeling that a hundred times more because I see these moms with these schedules. And one mom was posting how, you know, I've made sure to limit the amount of screen time and the amount that they can do this. And and my daughter and I, because it's just the two of us, we really have no schedule. Um, her school is set up that she's just got to get her work done when she gets it done. And we've been really kind of lax. 
Uh, what we did talk about is what do we want to do or what are the projects around the house that we can do during this time that we haven't done. So she's cleaned out her whole closet. We've organized, she's organized the hall closet. We're in the, currently going through the attic. Um, and it's something that we're doing together and she's learning how to clean and organize and, you know, purge and we're making donation piles and piles of things that we'll do consignment after all this ends and things like that. But I also, and we were talking about this a little bit before, with her school, she has to, she just gets her school in the morning and she has to have it done by the end of the day. And so that really is learning how to budget her time, right? Yeah. And I know that there are some parents who would choose to make sure she's up, make sure she's sitting at the table, make sure she's doing her work. That's not my style. And this isn't a right or a wrong. That's just not my style. And so I've just said to her, okay, well, you got to get your work done. And the first few nights last week, she was up really late getting her work done and like to make sure it was in like under the gun. And I thought, oh, I don't know if she's going to get her work all done. And as a parent, it's tough to step back and to say, which is more valuable here? That maybe she's going to get a marked and absent or a bad grade, or she's going to learn if she gets a bad grade, she's going to learn a really, a really valuable life lesson. Yeah, she's going to learn natural consequences of her actions. Right. And yeah. a natural consequence at 13 years old in eighth grade is a much less of a consequence than a 16-year-old where those grades are going to count for college. Like, I hope she, I, I want to give her the space to mess up a little bit more when she's younger, where the consequences aren't as severe, so she can learn those on her own. So that as she's older, she's already learned those because when she's older, the consequences are more severe, right? And it's interesting. Now she's got, like today, she got all of her work done pretty early. Um, the other thing that she's learned is the first few nights she was up really, really late and both of us are night owls. So this is partly, she gets this from me. We're both night owls, but Friday night she was up until I think like four o'clock in the morning and oh her and her friends were texting and they were talking and I was like, all right, I'm just going to let it go. And then, uh, last night she was up until about two in the morning. And I, now I know some of the moms that you're listening to, these homeschool moms are probably like, oh my gosh, who is this crazy woman? But I just let it go. Yeah, well, this, that's different. Yeah. Well, this morning she woke up and she had a headache and she hasn't felt good all day and she's had a headache. And so I said to her, Emil, what do you think you could, you know, we talked about cardiac rhythms and we talked about how your body is used to getting to, you know, goes to sleep and then, and. You're, we talked about cortisol levels and we talked about um, how your body creates melatonin and when you're constantly pushing it off by staying awake at night. And then we talked about, I said, do you know why they call it the graveyard shift? People who stay up all night and work all night, they call it the graveyard shift because it impacts their health and they die. Like we know that that's really unhealthy. So she said to me, she goes, well, I think I'll get to bed a little bit earlier tonight. I think maybe like I'll, I'll go to bed a little bit earlier. So she's learning on her own versus me having to say, eh, you have to go to bed, right? So when she owns it, she's more likely to do it. So right. now she's like, okay, I'm going to get to bed. And I've already seen her. She's like peeping her head in to be like, are you done? Because I'm going to go to bed earlier tonight. So I feel like, wow, what a, what a gift in a horrible season with this quarantine to really kind of develop some life skills, some coping skills, some learning some independence, um, particularly for parents who maybe are trying to work. I mean, you guys are homeschooled, so you're pros at this. You're probably laughing at all of the people on you know social media right now who are having a, a, a heart attack. Like, I saw. Uh, oh yeah, been there. Yeah, you're like, yeah, we totally get that. Yep. 
I saw, um, you know, like some of my favorite ones are like the, you know, I saw one today that said she went outside and saw her neighbor scraping off the kids. My, you know, my kid's a great student. And she's like, guess homeschooling week first week didn't work so well. <laughs> um, so you guys probably are, you know, definitely pros at this. Um, and I, and here's what I do when I talk about the social media. One thing that I have learned, particularly going through cancer, is that no one prepares you for that. No one prepared me to go through cancer. I did the best I could at the time. And yeah. I chose fun. Now, is that the right thing for everybody and every family? Absolutely not. You know, when I wrote my book, it was for the, if this resonates with you, if this resonates with people and it feels right for them and their family, then hopefully these are tools that will help them. I think that's the same thing now in quarantine. None of us have faced a situation like this. None of us have really gone through this before. And there's no right way or wrong way to do it. And I think all of us are just trying to do the best we can under the circumstances. And particularly as moms, we can totally beat ourselves up. And what I've learned is that I know my kid the best. And my kid is not your kid. And your kid is not my kid. And you know what? God gave me my kid because I'm the best kid for, I'm the best mom for my kid. And if there was a better mom, then she would have gotten a different mom. So when she gets angry at me or she's like, mom, mom, I go, you know what? Don't get angry at me. Go take it up with God. He chose me for you. Like you go upstairs and have a conversation with him because I'm the best mom for you and you're the best kid for me. And that's why he put us together. And so however, if your kid is like alive and breathing and fed and somewhat clean, I would consider that a win given the circumstances that we're in yeah. and that this can really be a season, I think, to develop new family traditions, to reprioritize. Like, my priorities are totally different after going through cancer. And for Mem quarantine, make the memories, make the memories, have the fun. Um, yeah. And boy, I mean, your daughter's about to turn 14. Mine's almost turning 14. You know, we get them for four more years. I know. You start thinking about it backwards. You know, I, it didn't really hit me until she was about five. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got like five more years. That's it. Mm -hmm. Four more years. And that's it. All of a sudden, these little inconsequential things of, you know, being stuck in a house because of a snowstorm or a hurricane or, or a, you know, a virus or whatever it might be. Yeah. I'm like, there's a certain point where she is not going to be here and I'm not going to have, you know, the mundane memories of, you know what, we're going to have breakfast for dinner tonight, or we're mm -hmm. going to do, um, you know, hey, let's have movie, let's have dinner at four so we can watch movies till 10, and let's have movie marathon, or, you know, like, even small things, we can just make fun, um, and if you guys are kidding me, you should read it in our book, but, like, one of my favorite stories from back then was how they had puke color contests in the hospital mm -hmm. when she was going chemo and they would color code the puke. So and <laughs> and we would oh, name it. And they yeah. would and they would oh my goodness. Now so I was watching this all from far away at the time, but literally I was like, look, if Tara can make puke fun, I can get through potty training. I can do this. <laughs> I can make puke fun. Yeah. And even like, you know, I think with your kids, like, so just some ideas would be, what can you do as a family that would be something to look forward to every week? Um, you know, we always kind of say like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. I don't have time. I wish I had time to do this. I wish I had time. Well, guess what? We've got all the time now. We can't say we don't have time. Right. So maybe this is where we pull out those board games that we haven't had time to do. 
Maybe right. this is where you give your kids the opportunity to say, okay, look, we can't do the things we would normally do. What can we choose to do? Because, and I know, Julie, we were talking about this before we started recording, that our kids are going to probably go through lots of different crises like this. I hope that my daughter does. I hope that my daughter lives, you know, another, you know, 70 years, 80, 90 years, and has multiple times, multiple seasons where there's going to be crisis. I mean, you and I have lived through, you know, 9-11, and um, I'm here at the Jersey Shore, Superstorm Sandy, um, families who've lived through massive destruction with, um, you know, hurricanes. And Julie and I were talking, we were talking about, uh, you know, my mom talks about going through the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, things like that. So our kids are going to have traumatic crisis times in their life. And we are given a very unique opportunity to teach them now as children how to choose to respond in those crises versus if they never had them and they had grown up their whole childhood and now they're adults faced with this crisis and they've never been modeled how to respond to that. Yeah, for better or for worse, the voice in your head always ends up, that record play in your head always ends up with your mother's voice. For better Absolutely. Or worse, right? Um, and so as much as we denigrate that, I keep thinking, what do I want, you know, 40, 50 years from now when I'm maybe not around or maybe not close, mm -hmm. what is it that I want to play on that record player in my kid's head? Do I want it to be, you always have a choice. You may not like it, but you always have a choice. Or do I want it to be doom and gloom and life is over as we know it and, you know, kind of just melodrama. You have, you know, it's like that's almost our choice as parents is, kind of almost parenting ahead I, you know it's like you mm -hmm. know what do you want them to remember in this moment when this happens to them when they're teenagers or they're out on their own and they're young single female what is it you want them to remember I think just that thought going through my head has really affected how I react to things and how I parent to mm -hmm. a certain extent as well yeah and it's tough because I think that you know um, I know right now I, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety about what's going to happen with my job and I've had to, you know, I'm in a state right now that's on a full shutdown and I don't know if my business will still be able to operate and certainly being a single parent, you know, as a business owner and income, I, I have that stress, right? Um, I, I'm worried, you know, I don't want to go out. My daughter does have, you know, it now will be considered like a high risk because of her treatment and have that fear. And I am finding that I am doing the same thing in this season that I did during that season, which is as those thoughts come into my head, you know, when, when Emily was going through treatment, there were a lot of times, a lot of thoughts of fear came into my head. Right. And I remember I would very specifically say to myself, cancel. Like I would cancel the thought. I would stop the neurotransmitter. Like, cause your brain is, you know, the neuroplasticity of your brain, you can stop your thought. I would stop my thought. And then I would think of, uh, I had created a mantra at that time. I would think of something different. And so my mantra at the time was if someone's kid is going to live, why not mine? Why not me? That was my mantra. Why not me? Someone's kid's going to live, right? Like somebody's kid's going to be the miracle. Somebody's kid's going to be the exception. Somebody's going to be the survivor. So why not mine? If someone's going to do it, why not mine? Right. That became my mantra over and over. So every time I would get that thought of fear, I would go cancel and I would think that. Yeah. And so I, I think. I stop and shut up. You know, I'm very, I'm less classy than you. Um, <laughs> so right. um, so that's actually neuro-linguistic reprogramming mm -hmm. for introverts out there. So um, literally. That's you, a fancy term. <laughs> yes. Uh, because I'm a nerd. Um, but, you know, you have control of your thoughts. And I think that is, frankly, it was mind-boggling to me when I heard it the first time. Because, frankly, I just always felt that, you know, there was, 
nobody had control over the record player. I didn't have control over the record oh, wow. player. Um, because I didn't realize you could. And then when somebody said that to me the first time, I'm like, what? That's a load of whatever. And, um, but the more I kind of learned about it and more kind of thought about it, it's like, you know what? You can rewrite the record player. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. You just have to stop the record player, tell it to change shut the record. up and change the record. Exactly. If you do it enough over and over and over and over, it will happen. Yes. And our thoughts actually, our feelings, most people think that like you feel something and then you think it and it's actually the opposite. Our feelings start in our thoughts. So if I'm thinking and I'm filled with a lot of fear and I'm filled with a lot of anxiety, that is going to start to create how I feel which then is going to make me think that and it becomes this like loop that's difficult to get out of. And since we know that the anxiety and the stress is going to weaken our immune system, I think it's at a critical time. We have to be so hyper aware of our thoughts. Coming up with a mantra, something that, you know, you start reading the news or you go on social media and you see a post and all of a sudden that anxiety comes in. What is something that you can say to yourself to kind of stop that so that you don't start to feel anxious? Because we also know this, that our kids are, they pick up on our energy more than what we say. And any mom who's ever had a super stressful day and that's the day that her kids decide to act like act out and act crazy and are like the worst that they've been. And you're like, why? of all days are you behaving like this and it's exactly because it's that day it's because they're they don't even know what's going on but they feel our anxiety our children are so connected to us they literally came out of us right so they feel our anxiety and so if we're filled with these stressful thoughts and we're starting to vibrate and be anxious our kids are going to start to act out they're going to start to act wild they're not going to know why but they're going to feel something's off and yeah. so it's so important. And whatever that means, I think for each person is different. So whether that's you come up with a Bible scripture or a verse that you can say to yourself to calm your anxiety, you know, I did not give you a spirit of fear, whatever it is that calms you, that resonates with you, something that can physically help clear out the anxiety. Um, if you need to go lock yourself in a bathroom just to get away from your kids for a little bit, to calm down, to pray, to meditate, to do whatever it is to get back into that state. A quick way, I think, to change our energy uh, is to put on music. Music definitely changes our energy very quickly. And also focus Another, on your breathing. That's like, yes. that's super Taking easy. Deep breath. Guys. And it sounds so hokey and so lame, but if you've ever noticed when your tense or stress out, you either stop breathing or you start to breathe very, very shallowly. So you're not breathing deep in your gut. And that actually, the physical act of that actually raises your anxiety. So one of the things, my kids hate it, but I'm like, stop, breathe, breathe again. Now speak to me calmly. They absolutely hate that I do that but it really works. And the only reason I know that is because I have to do it because I, you know, I'll, I'll lose my patience with them or I'll lose my patience in a situation. And I will like, oh, nope, stop, breathe. And I'll start, that's kind of, I have to do that to myself because the physical action of deep breathing actually calms your entire physical body down. So, so I know we've been chatting a lot. Um, do you have any kind of last words you want to pass along? I just think, you know, just to give your, give her, give yourself a break. You know, I think as moms, we're so hard on ourselves and this is uncharted territory for all of us. And one of the sayings that keeps coming to my mind through this, and I was training my team on this tonight, I wrote it down on my board, difficult times create determined people. Yes. And I think to myself, this is a difficult time. I am going to be determined and I'm going to choose who I emerge from 
after this season is over. Because for most of us, we're in this kind of hibernation stage right now if we're quarantined. And if you look up, I love words, the word hibernate comes from the 1600s and it actually just meant the passing of the winter. And so for us, we're not passing the winter, we're passing coronavirus, right? And so we're in hibernation for the season to pass and it will pass. And we get to choose who we will become during the season and who we are going to emerge when we come out of this cave, this hibernation cave. And so do our children. And we can use this season as a gift to grow mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, to bond with our children, to create new family memories, to do fun things so that 10, 20 years from now, you know, we're talking to our, our grandkids or our kids and going, oh my gosh, you remember during that season? You remember when we got stuck in the house and like you yeah. were each other wasn't that funny that's so funny or when the toilet paper you know yeah. like you know nobody had any toilet paper I mean Emily was funny she said she brought up some interesting things she said you know I wonder with all this virtual learning now if this will become a norm and that there won't be snow days anymore now when you have a snow day they'll just say oh well it's gonna be a virtual learning day and she said I wonder if my kids will be like oh, you had snow days what is that you mean you didn't go to school when it snowed that's so cool yeah and then she said to me um you know mom it'll be cool and I'm married and this is what I mean about not instilling fear particularly with this virus going on so my, my kids talking about mom when I'm grown up and I've got my kids and my husband and I we're gonna be like oh my gosh we survived the coronavirus like all these people got sick and they closed school and we'll be able to tell our kids about how we survived this time like she's already talking about herself as a survivor who came through this season right. and that's what I want that's how we talked about cancer and that's how I want her to talk about this and I don't want her to be afraid she's too young to understand and there's no reason for it right what, what is that saying? Worrying is praying for stuff we don't want. What's the point? I can't change anything. I can't control anything. I can only deal with the day that's in front of me. Things are changing day by day here in the U.S. Every day we're getting different things from what's going to happen or what's going to happen with the government. I have no control over any of it. And when we can release control, it allows us to say, what can we control? And as moms, we know, you know, we really steer the ship in our families. And our, our families are, and our children are going to experience this season largely based on the mirror that we project for them. We have a huge responsibility right now as parents. All right, so that's a really great place for us to wrap up, guys. So remember, moral of the story, what options, what choices do you have right now? What are you going to choose? I always say, what is it you have in your control right now? What do you actually have control over? And what can you do that's within your control? Um, and honestly, like what positives can you make out of this experience? What can you learn through this? Like we said, so you emerge out of this experience better than when you went in. Um, thank you so much, Tara, for spending your time here with us today. I really do appreciate you speaking to us about your book. And again, if you guys are interested, because it is a really great book, it's Teen Cancer Fun, A Parent's Guide by Tara Geary. And you can go to the website. It's just Making Cancer Fun. You can go there. Now, as we wrap up our episode today, I want to thank you all for joining us and listening in. There are a ton of great podcasts out there, but you chose to spend your time here with me. So thank you. Please be sure to check out the show notes for the links to my site 
website, workingwellhomeschooling.com, and all of the great ways that you can connect with me online. And we do appreciate our listener supporters. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, you too can support me with a small monthly donation that's going to help us continue with great content and interviews like you've heard here today on the Working While Homeschooling podcast. Please just check out the show notes for the link. And I do appreciate your online reviews, all of you that are subscribing to the podcast. Thank you to all of you who are sharing this with your homeschooling friends. And if you know someone that you think would be a great guest of our podcast, please let me know at julie at workingwhilehomeschooling.com. Thank you for listening in today. Thank you to Tara for being our guest. And everyone, please make sure you're joining us in our Facebook group for a continuing conversation on today's topic and beyond. I look forward to seeing each of you soon at our next podcast for Working While Homeschooling.